Go ahead and go with me in in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. I fell over. Ephesians, chapter 3, we're going to read starting in verse uh, number 1 here in just a second. Ephesians, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. How many of you in this room tonight would admit, not not blame someone else, but admit to the fact that you might have a bit of like ADD or ADHD. You're a bit spastic, move one from one thing to the other a bit quickly, you can't focus. Uh, I had a roommate like that in college. Uh, I texted him today and told him I was going to talk about him tonight uh, a little bit. He is uh, actually a youth pastor in South Carolina now. Uh, if you had met us in our freshman year of college and said, you know what those guys are going to be doing in 20 years? They're going to be youth pastors. Like, no one in their right mind would have ever said that. Um, but that's what we are. Uh, he's uh, at a church in, uh, the name of the town is awesome name of the town. It's 96 is the name of the town. 96, South Carolina. He's a pastor, first, youth pastor of First Baptist Church in 96. It was 96 miles uh, from Columbia, except they got the math wrong. Um, and so it's actually not. Well, that's a sad story. Um, we're not so good at counting um, sometimes. Uh, but he, his, his name was Michael. Uh, he and I were roommates for the first two years of college. We still talk back and forth. Uh, like I said, I texted him today. Uh, he had ADD really bad, like really bad. I don't think as many people that are diagnosed with ADD today actually have it as just like our uh, normal people. But like he's clinical, like just absolutely has that. There's, there's the joke out there. Uh, that the people with, with ADD, you'll, you'll be like running around chasing rabbits. You ever heard this? You just chase a rabbit anywhere? That's kind of the, the joke on that, meaning you could be talking about something and then bam, they just go off and completely change your mind and they're talking about something completely different. Yeah, that's them who we mean. Yeah, the phrase chasing rabbits originates with the actual behavior of chasing rabbits, right? You go, the bunny like hops, and then it's just completely still. And then you take one step, and it's just like, and just like hops all over the place. And that's kind of where the idea of chasing rabbits came from. Now, while he and I were in college, um, we went to college for more than four years. Uh, we went for four and a half. But in the spring semester of our first senior year, uh, he actually, I actually graduated four and a half. He took five. Um, I had three majors. He had one. Um, that's a different story. He and I and two other buddies from college, Ben uh, and uh, Matt, we went to Los Angeles in March of 2002, six months after 9-11. Uh, so we got on the plane. We booked our plane tickets um, the last week of August of 2011, and then like, oh, wow. Okay, so this... Things were kind of back to normal. It was a pretty scary time to be flying in the air, and I was a little, little bit worried, and there was an ice storm in Dallas. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an interesting trip. But we went there. Our goal, our dream for like three years was to go to Los Angeles on a spring break trip to be on The Price is Right and to meet Bob Barker. Okay, that was our goal. That's what we wanted to do. It sounded like an awesome plan. If you don't know who he is, uh, he's awesome, and we wanted to meet him. And you can just go and be on the show. And who knows, my ADD friend Michael probably would have got picked. But this is horrible. They weren't taping the week of spring break. And so we didn't get to go. We went to L.A., but we booked our ticket a long time ago. But they, didn't, they weren't taping, so we didn't get to go. So we're like, well, we're in Los Angeles. Go, let's go 
find some kind of television, something to go to. And some of you may have heard this before. And so what we decided to do, we're going to go get on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Oh. And so you can just request tickets. They're totally free. Um, you can go and you can be in the audience. But then we found this out. We found out if you were one of the first 20 people in line, they would guarantee you a seat on the floor. Like within the first three rows. So we were like, yeah. So we got, they, the show tapes at five. You have to be there by four. We got there at seven. Uh, and we sat on a sidewalk all day. We were the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth people in line. And so we knew we were going to get to sit on the floor. Then they go pick like pretty people and put them like in the front row so the show looks good. This is a true story. That was not us. But the catch is, even if you're ugly like us, you can get on the floor and have great seats close to Jay. Now, if you've ever, if this, he's been off not doing the Tonight Show for a long time, but apparently this is a rule. Uh, if, if we were on the, if you were in the, the floor seating and I was on the stage and there were bleachers behind us, only the people that were sitting on the stage were allowed to walk up to Jay and shake his hand before the show. That was the deal. She just left me hanging there. All right? But nobody else could go anywhere because it would be congested. It would be just like, like craziness. But they would say, hey, go up, high five Jay or whatever. So I have a video of it. And I don't have it for you tonight because it's on like, like a tape um, and whatever. But... And so you can see the back of my head. <laughs> That's all you got. Uh, but we got to meet him before the show, and he would come out. Jay Leno wears blue jeans and a blue jean type shirt every day forever, and he owns like 100 cars. But he wears the same thing. He'd come out at about 4.15 after he got the audience seated. He would do like a little stand-up routine. He'd talk to you, uh, and, and we were all, we were idiots. We dressed alike, uh, and you'll see the picture in a second. We dressed alike in like these shirts. We were in a Christian fraternity in college, and so he's like, hey, let's talk to the frat guys or whatever. And so he brings us up on stage. We were all growing a mustache at the time. Uh, he said, hey, you got one mustache for the four of you? Uh, it, was, it was great. Jay, Jay Leno, that's for claim to fame. He made fun of me. All right, so here's us on the sidewalk uh, before the show. Yes, sir. Uh, you can't even see the mustaches. That's how sad they are. Okay. Wait a minute. That's me. That's it. All right. Oh, wait, I still years? have this. This is a ticket from Thursday, February 28, 2002, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, and so we got to be there. Let's see. I got uh, a picture of us and Jay here. Just There we are. All right. This is on the stage at The Tonight Show. Oh, wait. All right. Wait, what? I know. Well, thanks. So that's us, and that's what Jay wears every day. And he and he brought us up on stage, and then my, he my friend actually uh, is on the show for about a half second. He just like asks as he's telling his monologue, and he's like, "Hey, ask that guy." And like, so he goes to him. I'm sit I'm sitting about a foot off camera. I was so mad, but he was on the show. Uh, he got to be on it uh, well, after after the show. Of course. He's like, woo! Uh, and, that, and that's how he got on the show. After the show, the show tapes at 5 o'clock. That's 8 o'clock Eastern. It comes on at 11.30 Eastern, 10.30 Central, or it did. It probably still is with the new guy. It's what's called live to, live to TV. And so they tape it, and if there's no gigantic screw-ups, they just play it however it is. All right? There's no editing or anything unless there's some kind of craziness that happens. So we knew at that point that he was going to be on the show, but we had to wait till 11.30 uh, Pacific time three hours behind the East Coast. So all of our friends in South Carolina are watching the show, and we're um, playing mini golf. Uh, right there, that's a picture from that night. And we're getting, at this point, it's 
I don't know, about 8 o'clock Pacific, which is about 11.30. We're getting calls um, on, like, old flip phones and stuff. Like, hey, you're on TV. And we're like, we know. We told you we're going to be on TV. Uh, and so it's that. But my friend got so, my friend Michael got so distracted um, that he, mini golf. You would not think mini golf takes a lot of focus and patience. It does for people with severe ADD. So guess what he did? He found a bunny. There was a bunny on the golf course, on the mini golf course. And so he began to chase the rabbit, or the, the rabbit, yeah, bunny rabbit. He began to chase it, and he would sneak up on it and try to get it. And the rabbit, I don't know what his plan was to, like, catch it, but he got frustrated that he couldn't catch the rabbit until he threw his golf ball at it. And it bounced off the rabbit and off the little sidewalk. Are you resonating with the story, Katie? And, so, and then it landed in the little pond, and that was the end of my friend Michael's round. I told him about this today. He's like, oh, man, you're going to tell that story. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell that story. It tries perfectly. And he's like, please tell me how this ties in later. And, and so that was the end of his round. His game, game over. Whatever. He's literally chasing rabbits because he's spastic, ADD. The thing we should have been doing that day, we should have just gone right home and, like, taken the calls about us being famous and, like, on national television. Like, the back of my head and his face. But whatever. I'm not bitter or anything. Wait, hold up. So, Hang on. I always feel rabbit okay. Even it's just a little soft ball. Well, the rabbit's right. definitely dead now. He's not dead. He was fine. He ran off. No, he's definitely dead now. Oh, he's dead now. It's been 20 years. Yeah. So we got this thing going on. He literally, he literally chased a rabbit when what we should have been focusing on was our newfound fame because we were on The Tonight Show. I don't remember who all was on the show. Had his own guy, uh, Heather Locklear was on the show that night. I don't remember who the band was. Um, Michael swears that she winked at him. She did not uh, wink at him. Uh, I think she must have had dust in her eyes. She did not wink uh, at him. But Paul, this is kind of what he does in Ephesians chapter 3. He begins this chapter and he says one thing and then he just like goes ADD on us for a minute here. And so you're going to read this in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. You're going to hear just a tiny bit, and then he's going to go off on this little, like, whoo, tangent thing, where, where if you have that, you may understand what's going on here. All right? So here's what he says. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you've heard the stewardship of God's grace given for me, or given to me for you, how the mystery is made known to Revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of other generations, as it's now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Uh, let's see. Uh, go to the next one. It's not working. Oh, this mystery is that... Oh, so this is the tangent. He, like, branches off. He's like, oh, shoot, I need to explain it to these people because they may not remember so he's supposed to be about praying, and the rest of chapter 3, what we'll look at next week, or in two weeks, is about praying. But he goes off on this tangent about the mystery of the gospel. He says, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. That's key, to preach, and we'll tell you what that means the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring light for everyone that is the plan of mystery hidden in the ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ, 
Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So we'll pick yeah, it up in two weeks. Yeah. We'll pick it up in two weeks right there when he talks about, um, he goes on in his prayer. But he goes back and what he does is in these first six verses is Paul reminds him what, is all, what he's already taught him in chapter 2. So let's, let me remind you quickly of that from about three weeks ago. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, you're saved by grace through faith. You're not good. You separate, you're separated from God. You're an alien, according to God. But Jesus, in the form, uh, Jesus sent by God to earth, gave up his life so that we could be saved. Saved by grace, through faith, to do good works, that's verse 10, that God planned out for us in advance. You're saved to serve, not sit. Saved to serve, not sit. That's what Paul is saying. That's the message of Ephesians 2. And the entire gospel really quickly for you. But it's the backdrop of what Paul wants to go back to tonight. So look back at verse 7 with me. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his, of his power. Alright? So here's your fill in. I'm a minister and so are you. What Paul says here is according to God's grace... That he's a minister, the Ephesians are ministers, and anybody claiming Jesus and a relationship with him is a minister. I'm a minister and so are you. Who do we typically think of as ministers? You. Me. Who else? Mark. Mark. Alan. Alan. Paid staff. Missionaries maybe. Um, people, that, people that work for the convention. But what Paul says here is, no, that's not right. The word Paul uses here for minister, it literally means one who executes the commands of another, especially a master, king, or overseer. That's all it means. This would have been very familiar to those in the New Testament times. There was nothing but kings. There was no democracy. It was just kings, right? A minister was one who did the will of someone above him. If you study world history, and if you study current political situations... In almost every uh, republic or democracy that has a parliament, the leaders, uh, the, the head leaders, usually called the prime minister, under that are people that are in charge of different parts of the government. So, for example, the State Department or the, the War Department, all these different things. And typically in the United States, those are called like the Secretary of War, Secretary of Defense, those types. In most other countries in the world, they're called ministers. It has nothing to do with um, religion in any way. They're called ministers because their job is to be in charge of that, but do the will of the one above them, which would be the prime minister and the king. That's what's happening in the New Testament here, and that's what the word literally means. You're a servant to the king. As a believer in Jesus Christ, just like he outlined, we are to serve King Jesus. So what we are to do, at, at, what are we to do as believers? What are, who are we to minister to? How are we to minister? You are all a minister. There's a story from uh, a, a pastor in California. His name is Rick Warren. He's been a very famous pastor, been doing it for a while. Uh, he said he went to visit a church member that was in the hospital uh, and said, hey, I'm, I'm the pastor of Saddleback Church. I'm here to visit whoever was in the hospital. And the nurse said, you can't have, we can have no more ministers visit 
this person today. And he's like, what? I'm her pastor. He's like, no. There have been 25 people that have introduced themselves as the minister to this person today. And he's like, oh, that's good. Because what he taught his church was, you're all ministers. And they introduced themselves as that. And they literally wouldn't let the pastor of this church that has like 20,000 members into the hospital room because everybody else had already been. What he was doing was working, teaching everybody that they're a minister. So let's look back at verses 8 through 13. All right, And we're going to see the five things that are on your handout here. All right, If you're paying attention, you can play the guessing game tonight and you'll do really well. Not that hard to find tonight. All right. To me, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that the church, the manifold wisdom of God, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Jesus Christ our Lord. The first thing you see is we are to do what? Anybody want to guess? Spread Christ. Okay. You're close. Preach Christ. Preach Christ. It's in the text. Preach Christ. So what does it mean to preach? Most of us think of preaching of what I'm doing right now or what Pastor Mark does in the second half of the service on a Sunday morning. But what the text says here, it's not that's the only thing that preaching is. Yes, that's preaching. And this is super cool. I learned this this week. This is amazing. It was blowing my mind. All right. Go with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. You've got to check this out. This is amazing. If you have, if you have a King James or look it up on your phone later, you've got, to, you've got to check this out. You've got to catch this. Luke 2, 10. The word for preach in Ephesians that we just read is the same word that's found in Luke 10, which is the story of the birth of Christ, if you haven't figured that out yet. The word there for preach means to bring good news. It is not a style of talking to someone on a Sunday morning. That's not preaching, although it is. It's to bring good news. That's what the word literally means. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10 with me. And the angel said, uh, the, the angel is speaking to the shepherds after the birth of Christ. The context. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I do what? I bring you good news. Same word. To bring good news of great joy. I love the King James in this text. I bring you good tidings of great joy. You remember this? Okay, it's in Charlie Brown, all right? Uh, and it's in the King James. That phrase there, good tidings or great news or good news, that is the word. To bring good news is the word preach. The Greek language that the New Testament is written in was much more advanced than the English language. We have to have three words. We have to have three words to say it, to bring good news. In the Greek, it's just one. And it's the word preach. And so that's what it means. I bring you good news, glad tidings, great joy. The bringing or delivering of it, that's it. So go back to Ephesians. So who's to share the good news? Does Luke 2.10 have anything to do with the preacher? Nope. Has everything to do with the message being delivered. So good news, the gospel. So who's to bring the good news to the world? Me? Yes. You? Yes. Yes. Every believer is to bring the good news. It's not just something that Mark does on Sunday morning but it's to bring good news. So we're to preach the good news. Number two, we're to bring light. Bring light. Light to what? God's plan. God's plan. God's plan, Paul says, is a mysterious plan. It wasn't quite right. 
It was a little strange. They expected Jesus to come in and whack the Romans, put Jesus back in charge. It's not how it went. He gave up his life. How many of you like a good mystery book or a good mystery movie? Okay. Suspense. All right. How many of you, how many of you read the Hardy Boys or you still read the Hardy Boys? Okay. Love the Hardy Boys. All right. Nancy Drew. Say, yeah, say All right. I love, I read them all. I own like all of them. I own like all the Hardy Boys books. Those are all mysteries. And what do you do in a good mystery? You read it. You try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you want to know what's happening. You want to know everything. Okay, you want to, you want to figure out the plan, right? You want the plan to be revealed. Right. What you want is you want the unknown to become known. Eventually in a suspense movie or book, the unknown becomes known and that's typically how it wraps up. That's what Paul's saying here. People that don't know God's plan of rescue and redemption, we have to share it. We are to bring light. Number three. The church. The church is the sending agency. The church releases you and says, go. I will do that tonight at the end of the message. I will say, go. Tell people about Jesus. God has saved you, equipped you, and given you everything you need. Go. The church sends you. God's people make his message known through the church. I'm not done yet. He said go. No, I did not. Sit down. All right. That takes us to number four. Believers get our purpose in faith. Believers get our purpose in our faith. What did you say, Katie? In our Lord. You're close. Believers get our purpose in the faith. Ephesians 3.11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your purpose is eternal in Christ Jesus. It revolves around, is fully, Skylar, sit down, dude. It's fully involved. How many of you, how many of you like hot dogs? Okay. You can put all kinds of things on hot dogs. I'm going to talk about corn dogs in a second, don't worry. Okay. I love a good corn dog. Yeah. All right. A hot dog. A hot dog. You can do a lot of things with it. Put chili on it, mustard on it, ketchup, onions, chili. Not jelly. Relish. Um, ketchup. All kinds of things. You can take it out of the bun and just eat it like a bunch of weird kids do, right? You can do whatever you want with it. You see, a hot dog has a lot of things added to it. But a corn dog, a corn dog, friends, that's meat on a stick, and that's good. Spicy mustard, it's good way. Unless, this will play in, I promise there's a point. Unless you completely destroy the corn dog. Uh, it is still good that way. It is still, you cannot remove it, you can eat it, but it changes the whole complexion of the corn dog. If you take it off, you smash it, you do something with it. You can dip it in ketchup or mustard or spicy mustard or whatever you want. But, but you can't do what you can do with a hot dog. Because it's made to be exactly like that. Alright? Let me give you some corn dog history. This is fascinating. Oh, yes, Alright? I love this. Okay? Corn dogs have been around for less than 100 years. But did. I know. This is fascinating. So there are three groups of people that claim they originated the corn dog. Alright? There's a controversy. Alright? You'll, you'll never guess. Where do you think is the one of the first three... Okay, so these are all from these are all from the United States. Okay, states. Yes, Texas State Fair. 
where all good new foods come from, all right? Neil, Neil and Carl Fletcher were performers at the State Fair in 19, Texas State Fair in 1942, and their son remembers them eating a hot dog that had been wrapped and put in some, like, fried-type stuff, and they were called corny dogs, not corn dogs. And they're still a huge hit at the State Fair. That's 1942. Now, there's a group of people in Portland, Oregon, in 1941, who owned a small restaurant called, this is a great name for a restaurant, the Pronto Pub. Okay, so they sold hot dogs. And what they did is they took cornmeal battered and they deep fried it. This was the first reported use of a deep fried thing, which really our corn dogs should be made. Now, there are two other claims. There was a guy in Springfield, Illinois in 1941, who had a restaurant called the Cozy Dog Drive-In that claims he came up with the modern corn dog. Right? The problem, the problem is no one has any information about it. But what we do have information about is a guy in 1927, 14 years prior, in Buffalo, New York, that filed a patent for a corn dog maker to roll it automatically, which is very strange. But he made it for his grandmother and never attempted to sell them. So everybody says that doesn't count. But the bottom line is, we have the Egyptians to thank for the modern corn dog. Do you know why? Not the food on the stick. They're the Egyptians, 7,000 years ago, were the first people in history to deep fry something in oil. Which would be, I love the Egyptians because I love deep fried stuff. And so there's all this controversy about where did it come from. But the point is, they're awesome and you should eat them, especially when it's 50 cent day, it's on it. Okay? Yeah, but they didn't make the corn dog, but they, they gave us the way. But check this out. This is how our relationship with God should function, though. What's a corn dog got to do with the gospel? Let me tell you. A corn dog is one all-encompassing, unifying thing. It has the, the, you don't need a fork. It's all wrapped up into one. All right? But what a lot of believers like to do is they much prefer where they have it in a, corn, in a hot dog form. Where if you like this, you like that, you don't like that. You need something, you got to have, we like to pick and choose, and a corn dog doesn't allow you to do that. You need to be a believer that is all in for everything, and it's all part of one thing. You become a believer, you become a preacher. You become a believer, you become a minister. You become a believer, you become a gospel-spreading, disciple-making follower of Jesus. You do all of that. You don't say, I'm a Christian, I'm good now. Okay, that's not how it works. Fifth and finally tonight, we're told... Not to give up before we reach glory or heaven. Don't give up. Paul is in prison in the book of Ephesians. Paul's in prison. He's been beat up near death, and he's going to eventually die a painful death. But he tells us in verse 13, don't lose heart over me. What you need to do is focus your time and attention on Jesus. There's a pastor that's retired now. He's from Minnesota. His name's John Piper, and he says it this way. If you like writing cool quotes down, this is a great one. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. 
God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. That's what Paul's saying here. So you say so where, that hang on, hang on, hang on. So where does that leave us? It leaves you in one of two places. Number one, you don't know Christ. If you don't know Christ or you have friends that don't know Christ, you need to get to know Christ. It's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to salvation. But second, if you do know Christ, are you just plowing along, coasting along, or are you ministering to other people? Are you just complaining about what church should be? Are you just complaining about your friends? Are you just complaining about your school? Or are you reaching your school for Jesus? Let me tell you, anytime you're around other people, there's going to be something to complain about. I am just as guilty as you are. Lane, is this a problem that goes away when you graduate from high school? No. no. It gets worse, right? Okay. It, it's bad. You're going to be around people your entire life that... You probably won't want to be around, but you're going to be forced to be around them. Right now you're forced because you're in school. You're going to be forced to work with them. Somebody's not pulling their weight. This is not changing. Quit complaining about it. Figure out how to tell them about Jesus and go move on. All right? Is Jesus going to fix everything? Yep. He will. Is he going to make it all easy? No. All right? So my challenge for you tonight, and I emptied the prayer bucket behind the cross today. What I want you to do, I'm going to throw five things. These are the five things. They'll be on your sheet too. But here's the five things from tonight. Preach Christ. Bring life. The church is the sending agency. Believers get our purpose and our faith. And don't give up before you reach glory. We're going to end with a song tonight. And I want to challenge you. I want you to write down on a note card. Some of you have weird note cards. Apparently I bought the wrong ones. They have dots on them from Walmart. I have no idea. All right. I don't know. I picked up the wrong pack. Here's what I got for you. Here's the challenge. Which one of these five things is the hardest for you? Let me tell you what this looks like. Preach Christ. You don't like talking to people. Bring life. When everybody's talking bad, you just kind of want to join in. The church is the sending agency. All right? You'd just rather do it on your own and not be held accountable by somebody. Believers, you get your purpose in your faith. Where do you get your purpose from? Is it in grace? Is it in athletics? Or is it from Jesus? Number five, don't give up before you reach glory. Are you down? Are you bummed? Are you sad? Don't give up before you reach glory. Keep plowing through. Jesus is going to walk through with those, those things with you. So there are five things on the screen. I want you to write down one. While we sing, I want you to place it. You can write your name on it if you want me to pray over it. I'm going to pray over all of them. If you want me to pray specifically for you by name, by name, put, it, put your name and that thing on the card and put it in the bucket. But which one of these five things is hardest for you? All right? And I want you to pray that God would reveal how you can change that. Reveal how he can do something different about it. All right? So go ahead and do that. And when, when you're ready, put it in the bucket. We're going to kind of sing and uh, put it in the bucket all in once here. And then when the song's over, we'll be done. And a game? No, no more games. So here's my rabbit that I cheated. Okay. That's awesome. All right. That's mine. One behind the cross.